G'day everybody and welcome to the Hidden City Roller Derby. I'm your host Simkoff and I'm joined by four additional rollers today. We'll do a bit of a, a roll call. Uh, firstly, as always, my, uh, my my friend Merlin with the wonderful red beard. How are you today, yeah. Mr. Hadamoto? Doing all right. Excellent. We have the reigning Australian Code champion, Glenn aka Remedy. How's it? That's a bad. How are you going everyone? Toridori, aka Birdie, aka the Miserable Lion. Sup? <laughs> <laughs> I resent that nickname, but I'm I'm doing well. Nice to be here. <laughs> and and one of the old school rollers, but has not been on a podcast yet. This is Dave, who's a Star Wars wizard, aka a Jedi. I think that's what they call the Star Wars wizards. Um, and a pretty handy L5R player. How are you, Dave? Good guys. How are you? Yeah. Do you, want to, do you want to give the 10-second spiel about who you are? Sure. So in L5R, I'm mainly a crab guy. I was a runner-up to Remedy in Kote. Play heaps of FFG games, though. Lots of X-Wing. Um, runner-up at uh, Nationals for Destiny as well in general. So, yeah. And L5R is great. Sweet. I th- it feels like... Destiny's the unofficial second game of the Rollers because I think you're a bit of a player of that game too. Hey, Remedy. Hey, Glenn. Yeah, uh, I was just also going to say it's probably also why Dave would love to have Maze in every deck because then there is dice rolling in this game now. <laughs> oh, does, does <laughs> yeah, that become, becomes a transferable skill. <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only downside is I can't discard to re-roll my, my, uh, my Maze my maze selection. <laughs> there we go. Cool. Uh, so, pretty pretty big week in the news. Hey, Merlo, I hear there was yes. some some stuff about rolls or something. You wanna? Yeah, there was there was a bit of news about rolls actually. So it turns out that um, the the page that they had put the um, kind of the the page that they put up when they announced the Kote series about the different points that people can accumulate got updated, and so now we have an idea about exactly where people are standing, like two weeks before the end of the season, which is right. nice, I suppose. So when's the first new role? Well, it's not just about roles, though, is it, right? So when you go to a Kota, you actually accumulate points for a number of different things. So we'll talk about roles first, but there are two other things that um, actually happen. So roles-wise, uh, you get this these things called elemental points, and depending on what people, people cast votes during the Kota season... And depending on what clan gets the most elemental points, uh, determines the order in which they can pick a secondary role for them to play at the World Championships. And I guess up to the World Championships. You guys want to know the rankings? Yeah. Let's yeah. All right. So it's picked in reverse order. So instead of the, the clan that accumulated the most points um, going first, the clan that accumulated the least goes first. So the first pick goes to Unicorn. Hurrah. They need uh, it, I think. I'm happy with that. And then Lion, Crab, Dragon, Crane, Phoenix, and Scorpion. So, so Scorpion gets what's left. Apart from the people, I guess, if you think about what cards people knew about when they voted, we didn't know about, like us Aussies, we didn't know about any of the elemental cycle, but I guess there's a few who have. So... What are we thinking? Like, Unicorn get first pick, right? Any wild speculation on what what it might turn out for Unicorn and Lion, at least the top two? Before we get to that, before we get to which which we think clans have picked, what about this idea that Phoenix is like sec- second or third last? Does anyone think that's a little sus? Yeah, yeah I was just looking at that as well. It means it, people are picking keep water. I, I know uh, when so I was in when I was in San Francisco, people were purposefully voting Keeper of Water if they already had a really good role that they wanted to keep. So like dragon players were like, I don't care about my secondary role. I'll pick Keeper of Water to fuck over Phoenix. But I don't know Hopefully, if that's enough of an effect to do that. Well, well, Houston was one of those like store events, right? Like, so hopefully the Birmingham and Warsaw and all those other cotes that were giant <laughs> <that> can, <laughs> counteract any sort of collusion effort by the the 
Yankee Doodle Dandies. But uh, are each Kotai, are they all are they all weighted equally? Um, yeah, I think so. So uh, based on the page that they have up, it says each competitor who enrolls will cast one vote for the additional role to get the, them to gain access to. Each vote assigns 10 elemental points to the clan who currently holds that role. Um, okay. so, I think, so I think when you picked like Seeker of Fire, you were actually uh, getting 10 points towards Dragon because they're currently the Seeker of Fire. And so that's... That's why the order looks a bit weird. Okay. I'm glad this was explained to me. I'm glad this was explained to me after I voted because I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really didn't. I really didn't understand that when I was voting back no, at, no, no, no. at Kotai. I will also say that um, as to Bert's point, I think if people were doing that, I think it's just a bit naive considering the whole card pool hadn't been released yet. So, yeah. so like, yeah, you can tank Phoenix, but um, like, what does that really accomplish? Because oh, I get this because Secret Void for Phoenix is so degenerate, right? Like people just trying to keep them off that. Um, well, actually, now that I now that I think about that for a second, you're right. So all of the people that are voting Seeker of Void were obviously giving ten points to the Scorpion, right? So that's why they're on the bottom. But that exactly. kind of implies that kind of implies that a whole bunch of people are voting Keeper of Water. Yep. Who's voting Keeper of Water? Pe- people who don't care about having a secondary role. Like Scorp- Scorpion and Dragon players will just vote Keeper of Water to prevent um, Phoenix from getting it at Worlds. Quite a few crabs that also want Keeper of Water for Fight On, which mm. is I think is okay. Um, that card wasn't spoiled until fairly late. Like we didn't know it at our Cote that that existed. That's it's only post then that people have been voting Keeper of Water intentionally. It's so bizarre. I, like so there were some rumors that voted... Keeper of Water was going to be good, but. I didn't vote Keeper Water. What happens if people voted Seeker of Water? Like, where do the points go? I couldn't tell you, man. Yeah. They go nowhere. They go nowhere. I so, s- probably worth just that whole, like, I know we kind of say inclusion, some say meddling. <laughs> like, it's a bit of a d- fine distinction. I don't know if we're meddling in the votes or colluding, but the um, the idea of of people getting together as groups to affect these choices, it's it's a bit odd. Because I think in the old L5R, which, you know, I hate to talk about the old L5R all the time, but um, it was fun when people would get together and they would try and influence a story because, you know, as a group of players, they decided they wanted to stand up for something, whether it was like the creation of the Gozaku, which is this weird alliance, or, you know, there's all sorts of fun stuff that happened during the game. But this seems a bit different because it's not really affecting the story per se. It's like, it's purely about mechanics. It's a bit odd. Mm. I'm not sure how I feel about it. It's an expression well, of like competitive, the a desire to maintain a competitive edge for your clan. Yeah. So yeah, if you've already got the good role, you might as well just fuck someone else over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I, I, I get guess, that. We could talk on about it for ages. My 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 counter argument is, yeah, okay, you get you have the good role in um, parentheses, but you only have that until worlds, anyways, and you have to pick a different role. Like, I, I, I'd rather... I just don't understand why you don't care about the secondary role because you want to be testing to see where you can take the clan next as opposed to yep. just saying, well, I don't care. I like I that. Know. I like that. Because otherwise it leaves you in, like, four months' time with a shitty role. Potentially shitty role. Okay. I'm not sure I'm not sure that there has been collusion um, or whatever it is that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I haven't hadn't heard anything about that. <laughs> It's just odd. It's just odd. Like, Bert's correct, though. It is odd that Phoenix is so far down. But... Well, it just, it just means people have purpose... Like, nobody wants Keeper of Water intentionally. So it's just people trying to... Like, is there... Yeah. yeah. It... So we don't See, think there's actually any sort of <clears throat> grand deep state sort of conspiracy here. We think it was just people just kind of talked about it and went, yeah, right, that sounds like a good idea. I think idea. that most clan chats, like, instruct their players to vote a certain way. Like in Lion Chat, everyone's saying vote Seeker of Void for their role. Well, so, but not everyone's yeah, well, part I mean, of those if, chats, I guess. If that's, if that's happened, I think that's because everybody thinks that they're voting for the clan. Sorry, hang on. Everybody thinks that they're voting for the role that they want. And in a way, they kind of are, but they're also voting against the, the their likelihood of getting that if it's a role that's hotly contested, you know? If yeah. you. 
if you think if you if you believe that your clan currently has the best possible role, then you don't care what your secondary role is at all. So like dragon and scorp players just don't care what their secondary role are. Like keeper scorp's fun. They can play backhanded, whatever. It's still not as good as Seeker of Void. So they're yeah. I broken record. I, again, we can talk for ages, but I like I disagree with that kind of like I don't I don't think we know how strong the keeper deck is because one, when everyone was voting, not all the cards were out. And then secondly, no one's kind of competitively tested it against the current roles. Like I think Agreed. it's just I just think from this conversation, even just this conversation, it it sounds like it's just it's so confusing, and maybe hopefully they streamline it in future. Yeah, it's a mountain out of a molehill. It's a confusing yeah, system. <laughs> the end result is I would just because of uh, because I didn't understand it, I I may have slight potentially very minutely injured the chances of my clan being higher or lower on the on the ladder. Yeah. But I'm totally okay with unicorn line picking first because that's refreshing. I think that's the takeaway is that is Scorp is on the bottom and the other two on the top. Like, that's fine. I'm fine with that. That sounds like a well. perfect place to end that particular part of the conversation. Um, I think... Well, let's let's just round out round yeah. out this bit of the news. So there are two other kinds of points that uh, people have been accruing over the Kote season. So the first one is the Emperor's Favour. So we all know that in November, the World Championships is going to occur, but the World Championships is themed as the Winter Court, and the Emperor hosts the, the... Sorry, a clan hosts on behalf of the Emperor the Winter Court. So people have been accumulating that um, over the season, and there's some standings for that. Looks like Scorpion are currently in the lead, and Crab are second to that. So if Scorpion remain in the lead, it means that, that the next Winter Court then the prizes are going to be themed according to that clan's theme. So you'll have Scorpion playmats and Scorpion token boxes and Scorpion promo cards and things like that. Love Full that. Art Kachiko as the Kazuya uh, yeah. replacement, yeah. maybe. That could be yeah. cool. Well, well, thank you, Johnny Shen, for winning a recent Kote with Scorpion, and hopefully we can keep that up, team. All right. Nice yeah. with crab, I think, right? Yeah. And then the last one was yep. uh, glory points, right? So clans have been accumulating glory points uh, based on who advances from the samurai stage, I think it was. And the reward for that is that in an upcoming set, they're going to get a card themed in the theme for the season, which was Toshi Rambo. So probably they'll get like a, a holding or maybe a stronghold or something like that. And the current leader in that one is, again, Scorpion with Crab close behind. Yeah. Because Scorpion need a limit one per deck holding that's not broken. <laughs> yeah, man. I think, again, with those point system, it because of the most honorable um, giving a, a huge boost, it meant that having a box that basically allows you to end on most honorable, typically, meant that Scorpion kind of just got way too far ahead, at least in that glory point one. Yeah. Well, they're not, actually. They're only 1% ahead of Crab. Crab and Scorpion are both miles ahead of everybody else, but to each other they're so the two points. the two dishonor clans <laughs> make sense. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, we, I think there was a, there's one other piece of news we should probably cover. Uh, is did we do we talk about the Disciples of the Void tournament that happened on Saturday? No. Uh, Simkov, do you want to tell us about that tournament that you you attended? It was a pretty small tournament. It was like ten people. Uh, it was fun. Disciples of the Void. Um, I managed to take it out with a lion deck with a Spreading the Darkness. Um, so yeah, it's 10 players. Uh, I had a couple of tough games. One was against uh, a fellow roller, JK, who um, was playing Crab, Crabicorn, and bought out a Stoic Magistrate first turn and kept it in play for the whole damn game, which made things pretty hard. I was playing the new box out of line. So I had to, like, hard buy stuff. Um, it felt good to win that match, though. Like, a sea of, like, you know, watch commanders and stuff. It was pretty in stoic magistrates. Um, yeah, so that was a very tough game. And then the final was against uh, Fee. And he was playing Phoenix and splashing Lion, like, Sashimonos and stuff. And it was very, very hard game. Very good game. Lots of back and forth. But it felt good. Like, the one comment I'd make about it is that, like, the night before, 
um, I'd been like playing a bunch of games, um, and I was playing a lot of Scorpion, and I was playing a bit of Crab, and I found those decks like as like as a pilot to be dull and mis well not miserable is the wrong word, but it wasn't fun. I just found a sense of joy playing Lion. I'm not convinced that they're like the bee's knees or anything, but they just felt fun to play. Have you guys been finding just like in this current meta to play your clan of choice? I love Lion as well. I'll just second that. Playing it is a lot of fun. I don't think it's like ultra competitive, but it's super, super fun. Yeah. Heroic Resolve was a fantastic card, by the way. I rate that card highly. It's not a three of, but it was a great two of. Is that in your deck or in his deck? It's in my deck. He he. It was in his deck too. Uh, I didn't I didn't see it when he played, but I I, he I saw the Sashimonos and we were talking about it, and he said he was gonna give the heroics a crack. So maybe you already had a heroic in there. Was it do so Ben? What was that? (laughs) What does the card do? Heroic result. (laughs) It's an attachment plus one plus one cost of fate, uh, and you you attach it to a dude. Doesn't have any restrictions. So Sashimono has the bushy restriction and costs an extra fate. And then if you've got two rings in your claim pool, um, then you get to untap your guy oh, who's attached to. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's a cool card. Yeah, and I mean, Lion, you know, you've got that many conflicts to, you know, it's a good shot that you'll get two on a, any given turn. I'm glad you know a card. Like, it's great. <laughs> For once, you know what the card does. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. There's a bunch of junk cards nice. that I don't know. Atsuku, no idea. Blank text box. Is he running my ancestor's strength in that game for his Phoenix Lion deck? The one yeah, that. I curious. Yeah, I think he was. He was. Ancestor's strength. The lion. The oh, lion's sorry, not the. No, 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 no. Sorry, I think he was running the. What's the lion card with ancestral? The plus one plus one. Maybe running that. I can't. Guidance that. of my ancestors. Yeah. But yeah, but what do people sense. think about running the new, that new lion Shigenja based card out of Phoenix? Seems it's your skill to the same as whatever the one in your discard pile is, yeah? I've yeah. got I've got the inside scoop on that. Good. Yeah. Well, Demagogue, oh. everyone's favorite crazy phoenix from Greece, yeah. has been playing a lot of it, and he reckons it's fucking legit. So he uses Walking the Way to bin Fushicho or whatever yeah. Yeah. and just gets a plus five, plus five pump for one. Oh, recycles it. it with his box. <laughs> it's more of an That's it's awesome. more of an aggro province taking phoenix. I mean, than the dragon splash. I think that's a great example of a card that has a color, like it's got a clan on it. But you know, for at least yeah. two years, I, don't, I can't see that card being used by that clan, unless like a rat, like a spirit, or like a Shigendra expansion comes out for land, right? You'd need to have like four or five good shuggies. This seems really elemental good. cycle is the Shigendra cycle, right? Like yeah. it's got yeah. all the spells, all the for every clan. Like this is it. That's true. Well, you know, I want to. Yeah. I want to give uh, Fee a bit of props for his deck, actually. It's really original. It's got... Well, it's obviously Dragon Splash, right? Which is unorthodox, and it's got some really... Lion Splash. Lion. Sorry, Lion, Lion Splash. Um, it's really kind of got some unorthodox things in it. Like, it's got good omens in it, and it's got that heroic resolve. It's it's really interesting. Really yeah, good omen that. actually had a had an effect on the game. It kept one of his bigger characters around for a turn, which was, like, painful. <laughs> uh, it was great. But it is really good to see those sort of innovators in the game who aren't... Like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with net decking if, you know, you don't have the time to make your own deck. But, you know, Fee and there's a few other, like, players out there who are great innovators. And it's great when you come to a tournament and somebody plays a card, you're like, what is going on here? I think I'm Chris, in trouble. Chris ends, ends the grinder. He's my favorite innovator. <laughs> Playing this on a dragon. <laughs> I actually think he's onto something there, though. I think we, we should keep... Well, you would, together. mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. So, we won't do the exhaustive review we did a couple of times ago because we try to make it really brief and it turns out if you go through 20 cards, it's never brief. Uh, I think so. We- I think we all over-skipped the Master of Alchemist in that review. So, like, retroactively, it was... Turns uh, out pretty, pretty good, cool. right? Yeah, like we skipped over it and then it's like, oh, actually turns out it's a pretty defining card. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I swore at that card when we did the review. Yeah, you did. I I dismissed it. I think it's long over time that, you know, Dragon got a really good, like a boost to their Dynasty deck. Like their Dynasty deck is trash and it was time they got something, right? Six Nathan Masters isn't enough in a deck. 
<laughs> yeah. So, how good do we think Master Alchemist is? Like, on a scale of a gaseous sword? Actually, no. Like, what's a bad dragon dynasty card that sees play? Tagashi Mendicate? Maybe. Nitin Adept. So, on a scale of Nitin Adept to a gaseous swordsmith, like, where does. Where does this guy fit? Like, is Alchemist auto include? Is he that good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially now with all the um, <clears throat> with the more honor and dishonor effects entering the the game, it felt it just feels really strong to have an answer on the board that's not a card. So sorry, that's not a conflict card. I played against a game against Mind's Desire with Crane, and he just got out an Alchemist, and then the entire game, my voice of honors were off because <laughs> he just kept honoring. <laughs> he he would bring my guys to neutral status and then honor his own guys. So it's a hard hose versus Crane. Oh, it's a poor Crane, man. <laughs> in a way, it's sort of opposite of um, the Soshi Illusionist, isn't it? Because it, it you well, you better get than to Soshi Illusionist. Yeah, because you get to dictate which way the, yeah. the token result goes. Anyway, yeah. so I think, Ben, you wanted to talk about the upcoming pack. Sorry, I know I diverted the conversation. That's all right. All or nothing, what we've decided to do is there's lots of great cards in this pack and... I'm sure that other podcasts will go through every single one of them. But we've each picked our favorite card. Well, a, a card we like from the set to have a chat about. So, um, just one card. So, Merlin. So, as a group, we can talk about each of these cards. Merlin, you want to start the conversation with your card that you selected? All right. So, this is my absolute favorite card in the pack. It's probably my favorite card in the entire cycle. We know that this is a really powerful card because uh, we've got access to Hawk Tattoo. We know that's a really powerful card. Why? Because this card, you just fucking attach it and it fucking goes off and there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. Mark of shame. Shame on you, FFG. Shame on you, FFG. For the, for the listeners that are like in the car or on a train or, you know, on a rickshaw, do you want to just read out like what the card is? Uh, all right, if I can remember what the card does. I think it is a two-cost attachment, air roll only. It gives plus zero military, minus one political, and it says reaction after this card attaches to a character, dishonor it. If that character isn't already dishonored, dishonor it again, something like that. So, Just like, double dishonors yeah. a guy, right? And there's no targeting in that text block, which means that you can't stop it with cards that say... <laughs> Cancel, cancel if it targets you, Shigenja. I know it's, it's all about me. And can't, um, you can't, there's no card, there's no card in the game that says, you know, you can't play attachments during conflicts. That card doesn't exist yet. If this card is fucked. This card is fucked. <laughs> the answer, the answer to this card is also air roll only. So, uh, the, the keeper of air and the seeker of air fighting it out uh, with fucking honor and dishonor effects. <laughs> so has anyone, anyone got any questions question, any, any any thoughts on Mark of Shame beyond what Merlin has Stuff said that I want Crab to get Keeper of Air just for this card that's it <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd, be, it'd go nicely in the Crab Dishonored deck that's for sure I want I want Phoenix to get um, like Seeker of Air just so that nobody else can get this card so <laughs> what I'll say is I was very anti roll locking cards uh, I was vocal about it enraged you may have heard me go on a rant once or twice but i'm actually kind of warming to the idea of having quite potent characters and giving the roles identity given that we actually now seeing the roles will change because i think with the lack of communication for a while it felt like well we're stuck with these roles for like ever like once a year so now that they're rotating i don't mind it it's just that if it was one role a year it's kind of ugh. But we're going to get access yeah. to three, essentially three rolls a year. So I think that's a great point. Yeah, the fact that they're moving around, there's there's going to be some socialism with the rolls. Um, means that powerful effects that are locked to rolls are less hate worthy. This one's really really strong. I think it's going to go right into the crane, some crane builds and three noble sack metas coming up. I'm I'm expecting oh. to see that. Oh well, Speaking of that, the next card that I was going to bring up actually flows quite nicely into the triple noble sack uh, age game of sidani it's a crane event cost one action during a conflict choose a participating character you control the participating character your opponent controls dash your character challenges the opponent to a political duel on the duel's winner 
Dishonored the Jewels loser. Um, yeah, so I love this card. I think it's fantastic. It sets up Knob Sacks. Um, I think that if you're splashing it and you're a Scorpion player, discerning Scorpion player, or even a weird Crab player, like, it says opponent loses an honor, right? Like, it's another way to push the Dishonor victory condition. Um, and it's a duel that, like, has a strong condition, like a strong a strong result, but it doesn't feel unfair and bollocks, like, um, policy debate. It still feels bad. It feels bad to lose this, right? Um, yeah, Powerful I think it's card. fantastic. Big force boost. It's a big in, swing. Yeah. One thing I'll say about yeah. it is that um, the this is an interesting duel in the sense that the negative effects directly affect the loser of the duel, the character, rather than the player, like policy debate. So yeah. it's less yeah. desirable to go and bully like 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 have Kachiko duel and Mawaka Kabi guard because the the dishonoring effect is less important on a character that doesn't stand a chance in the duel. So that's a really like good point. I like that that part of it's part of this card. I think it's really strong. I think, like you said, it might be better in Scorpion than it is in Crane, but it'll yeah. still see play in in Crane in almost every Crane deck. I imagine it's really really strong. Mm. Cool. You don't really want to be playing it using a character that's already honored. So like you've got the huge stats already. Like it's not doing as much for you. So you mm. actually want someone who's not honored. Yeah, I think what, that like, uh, Birdie is probably the person who's played the most Crane out of uh, the team that we've got here. The squad. Um, do you think that this is enough combined with policy debate and that guy that's got the giant text box, Kaizen, <laughs> <laughs> um, to run insult to injury? Kaizen, Kaizen was a loser on The Apprentice. That guy got fired from, from what I've, <laughs> I've heard at, at FFG. Um, <laughs> insult to injury, uh, you probably need... The effect just isn't strong enough, right? What does it do? Just dishonors the loser. So it can't yeah, be used with Game of Sedona. Oh, yeah. Actually, like, that card, yeah. Well, actually, no, that's not true. If it's an honored character, you win. They get dishonored. Then you insult your injury. So they go from ordinary to dishonored. I think that card will only ever see play if you've got, like, 15 duels in a deck. Oh, you got a duel and, box, right? Yeah, well, if you have a duel stronghold, something like that. If you have a stronghold that starts a duel, yeah. All right. I the like next... the art on this card, too, just... just uh, yeah. Add in. I love the the big tough meathead looking samurai guys with the shaved heads. I love that shit. <laughs> I love your meatheads. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. So the next is a legendary legendary Shigenja. Do you want that uh, Glenn's going to talk about one of the most famous Shigenja in the game? Uh, yeah, her name is Yuichi Shahai. She's a four cost two four one glory Shigenja. Water are her traits. And her de- textbook says covert, reduce the cost by one to play each Mercedo attachment on this character or a neutral character. Um, so this is a seems like a really strong unicorn card. And I think the first thing I wanted to talk about about this card was uh, just how this is one of the first cards we've seen that have been story influenced. Um, so my understanding is that because this because the storyline chosen was that we agreed that the unicorn will teach to the imperial i think was how the storyline went um so that's why the card says this the card says reduce the cost by one on this character or a neutral character and some of the neutral characters are obviously imperial characters um and apparently there's a rumor that the um that if we if the other option had been chosen you'd get a lot more a lot more villain but like evil based version of her because apparently in the lore from the old game she, she's like a big bad or something but i think ben or Bert can fill me in on that <laughs> yeah she was a very 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 naughty lady and and brought back ichiban who was a very um powerful evil meho suki blood magician yeah he fucks shit up for like a decade <laughs> yeah he comes so, back every few hundred years just fucks so playing- it up so playing Talisman for free seems pretty legit. Um, and then things like Invocation. And then Invocation of Ash or um, the Water one. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, invocation um, of Ash. Force of the River, I think. Oh, Force, yeah, of, the Force River, of the River. Yeah. yeah, like playing those for zero seems amazing. Yeah, it's pretty. 
um, especially if you run Kudaka or Satoshi, and you can just whack it on them instead. Oh, sorry, you can't run the the water one, but um, the other two you could. I like the covert and the one glory. It's kind of a nice stat yeah. line. It's um, and they needed a political body as well uh, at the four cost. Like you and it could... just enables clouds as well, which is really nice. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, so, yeah. So, do you have something else to say? I just wanted to say I'm just glad because I think I've you guys know me. I've always been whinging about the lack of like story influencing cards, and so it was really nice to like dig into this card and see like that yeah. the Gen Con decision from last year. There's now an influence on a card. Thought yeah, that was nice. That is great. I absolutely love that sort of stuff. Um, okay, so Dave, you've you've uh, want to introduce your card and why you chose it. Uh, yeah, the card I chose was the Cooney Laboratory. Do zero extra strength. Uh, Crab Clan. Reads each character you control gets plus one military and plus one politics. Forced reaction after the conflict phase begins. Lose one honor. And it's a holy, right? I like this card. Is just I don't I don't really know where it fits into the current crab decks, but it gets me really excited to experiment with like very different styles of crab. Is at the moment crab has been that deck has been dialed in like the crab unicorn deck, and there are very small differences that people make. Um, but otherwise, gonna, people are basically doing the same thing. You're gonna load this card into your own Cunha laboratory, huh? <laughs> Absolutely, it makes me want to experiment. It's essentially your so, box, right? Like, it's essentially just your box, but, like, on attack and defense. I and fucking already, love it. Already, it's, already that's, that effect's already super strong at a crab on the defense. <laughs> I fucking love this card because it supports a fast-style deck. Like, it, yeah. it support, you don't want to have this sitting in your province for five turns. You'll just lose. So it's, about, it's, a, it's a tempo card, which crab lacks a lot of right now. Their decks are really slow. So I love that. And I love the interaction with Rebuild where you can... You can wait until after the Dutch, conflict phase begins Dutch and then rebuild loss. the card back into play. And blanket force pumps are always fucking strong in card games. So I, I really like this card. And I'm looking it's not unique. running it with 10 conflict characters in charge. Yeah, non-unique as well. So you, you have one out, you rebuild another one. You've got, you know, a bunch of cheap characters and you just swarm. Like it's crab swarm. Like yeah, the cards to get there yet, but... Eager Scout sees play, do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. You actually, not, but... you actually, you actually could. Like, like it's a two-two on defense for zero. That's pretty good. That's, like, that's actually that's actually not bad. Yeah, it's up a dynasty slot. Like, I'm not sure that it rates it still. Dave, I'm trying to get my full arts to hit hit play. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather have whatever the third tower guard or something in that slot. Anyway. So I think yeah, with I this, like. Spreading the darkness, um, like bonsai. There's like a lot of effects now that crab can use to trade honor for like force pumps, like power. So it's kind of fun. Run more. <laughs> I think it makes blackmail decks just that more consistent because my, my issue with blackmail decks <laughs> already <laughs> solid, fair enough, but like Bla just blackmail and consistency in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I just told her like this is already a meta defining deck, but it's, it's just me, just me and Dave trying to make it work. Um, I think I just think I, sometimes I just find it hard to be less honourable, which sounds a bit odd, but um, these sort of cards really help with that to have blackmail turn one. Yeah. Um, I know that we're not going to talk about all the cards and stuff, but there's probably just two things I want to talk about. One really quick which is Perfect Land Ethos. I want to talk about, like, good card design. I feel like this card was priced really well. So if those who haven't seen it, it costs two, so it feels expensive, right? And it's action, discard each status token. Um, so I feel like it can be, like, a really good one-of index. And it's an interesting global effect that hasn't existed in the game yet. Like, this is a unique effect in the game to discard multiple status tokens at once, whether they're honored or dishonored. I just feel like... This was a card that was well designed, and I saw it and I liked, it and I went, you know what? That could be a one of in a lot of decks because it could make a big difference at like, like clutch, clutch difference. Anyone have you any thoughts? Like? Yeah, who plays think... fair cards? Nobody plays fair cards. I think oh, this is this that. is FFG um, future proofing their game a bit because if an honor running deck or like hard dishonor decks ever become degenerate, 
And this is like a counter card that's just available to everyone, which is pretty cool. I don't, I don't know if it'll make a splash right now, but... No, I think people okay. are going to sleep on it. And I think that at some point, someone's going to win a Kote running it. And people will be like, a call. Because until it actually really matters and makes a huge difference. It's one of those sure. kind of card designs. I think it fits into the, um, the Shinobi deck probably the best in terms of like being able to proactively play it. Because it seems mm. like a lot of these Shinobi cards, uh, the cost is that you dishonor. Yeah. And then you get a really strong effect. I mean, we didn't even talk about like Force Pursuit, but like that card is actually really strong once there is a Shinobi deck because it basically reverses their bonsai. Discouraged um, Pursuit. Sorry, Discouraged Pursuit. Um, and so once the Scorpion Clan pack is out, I feel like this card will be very strong. But. Yeah, uh, did you did you have something else? Or did you have another honourable mention you want to talk about, Ben? Yeah, just and this is not really specifically, well, it is kind of specific about a card, but now with uh, Sabotage, which has um, been out for a week or two now, and Bustling Academy about to hit, hit it hot, um, we've got, like, multiple effects now that can actually deal with Kanjo Districts, Karatas, Imperial Palaces, etc., I feel like this is a positive thing for the game um, to, because holding those one-off holdings, when you can't deal with them at all, apart from hopefully taking them out, like actually attacking them, and sometimes they make it harder for you to actually attack them, I think it's a good thing that we can now actually start affecting holdings, like holding hate exists. Am I crazy to think that? No, do we, did we talk about how I got Conjure locked like three times on Friday? And just just the pain of playing Unicorn without Sabotage? <laughs> it, 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 it it definitely it goes back to what you guys were saying earlier where like to me personally the curse of Druron, mark of shame and sabotage all offer a card that makes me really want to pursue that element for my clan um mm. and like having phoenix now can focus a bit more on the scholar trait to then have a realistic shot at seeing this holding on a turn and being able to discard a necessary card on the opponent's side and then discard the holding from play. Um, so it's kind of like a... It takes a bit more setup, but you can definitely get it there. Uh, is a really cool effect to see. And I hope eventually over the game cycle you start seeing that th- uh, through another another few clans. Not every clan, but it'd just be nice if like the ones they seem like it seems appropriate get these sort of effects. Yeah, for sure. Hey, who is that guy that won Cork? Matt Light, I believe. That's, that's him. Oh, yeah. Uh, he said something really interesting when uh, they did his interview. I think it might have been on Imperial Advisor or Jade Throne, one of those two. Um, he said that uh, fine katanas and ornate fans are like the really shitty buffs that you play in Magic that nobody ever plays. And eventually we'll start getting buffs that are kind of cooler and you'll play them and, you know, you'll just replace your fine katanas and fans. And I'm, I'm thinking that maybe now is kind of the time when seals and things like that start making their way into decks instead of fans and katanas. Because they have some value. Yeah, they've got some extra utility that might make them worth more than the plus one pump. Fan, fans and katanas are superior when both players are bidding five because, like, just having an extra stat pump is really nice. But if, if the bids are constricted, then you want something like spreading the darkness, which has more of a cost because you're far stronger benefit, I think. So I think that's right. I think it's eventually going to get to the point where those cards don't see as much play. I've realized that I've left out poor Birdie. You had a card you wanted to speak about. Yeah, look, this wasn't my first choice. Um, you guys kind of took the ones I really loved, which is like Marcus. Always Shaman down Kamsunari. on the line. Always down. <laughs> <laughs> so the card I want to talk about is Tainted Hero. No, I'm kidding. It's not Tainted Hero. It's Appealing to the Fortunes, the <laughs> Void Province, uh, three strength province. It's neutral and it gets plus two strength when you have a void roll. So you can't play it if you've got a void roll, pretty much. And when it's broken as an interrupt, you can put a character into play from one of your provinces or your hand. Um, so I don't. I think at the moment this card is not going to see much play because Shameful Display is way over the curve and most clans are going to be playing that instead but it might have an application in fast decks 
Like in my current lion deck, I keep with with Hisu Mori Toride. I keep having situations where my opponent will attack into my shameful display, and um, analyzing the current board, I really don't want to defend, but I feel like I have to to get use out of the the powerful effect. Um, so this is good for that sort of deck, right? You can kind of pull in a huge dude um, when when this when they flop into this. I also think maybe in future. Um, decks that are running Charge Bird with Walking the Way might play it. So you can, if your opponent attacks into it, you can pull up your your birdie and put him into play for free, which is really fucking strong. So what do you hey, guys can think? I, can I ask a question about the timing? It says when this province is broken. Is that before or after the card that was in the province is discarded? That's before because it's an interrupt. Before. Before, okay, yeah. all right, cool. It breaks, and then you you decide whether you want to discard the card or not. Well, in that case, it sounds kind of cool because no matter which province this is on, it'll always. If you've got a guy in a province that you want to bring out, it's always got some utility. So, so yeah, I think I think that might see play. It's it's yeah. it's for a tempo decks, right? If you if you're trying yeah, to win yeah. the economic long range game, you just play shameful display every time. But if you're trying to win in three or four turns. Um, like yeah. the new unicorn deck, maybe with with their HMT might play this over Shameful. So I think it's probably, probably going to see see some. Might, they just leave it to the last conflict of the turn to attack it, and then all you do is get glory. And that's it. Yeah, that's true. Break it like it's if you're it's, the second, you player. can play around it so easily. But does it? The most important question is: Does it make Masu Seventh Legion playable? Dude, that's not, that card has never been playable and will never be. Fuck that card. <laughs> I still haven't seen you eat that card on stream. Yeah, it's one of these. It's because he knows it'll be playable in like one or two sets. <laughs> you guys should know me well enough now. Dash is pretty good. You guys should know me well enough now to know that I make outrageous claims that I hardly ever back up. So that's just why. Like... <laughs> Lions bottom tier. Ben goes and wins a tournament. That's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> really? Dude, if um, I keep shitting on my own clan when I do well with them, it makes me look even better, which is great. All right. So, I think, Mr. Birdie, whilst we're on you, is uh, you said there was a few little listener questions that you managed to collect? Yeah, you want to get into some listener questions? Give me one yeah. sec. Uh, all right. So, let's start with... Uh, this question from Ray Dent, local dude. Shout out, Ray. Uh, Scorpion Diehard. He says, basically, Ray says, uh, most annoying card of the new cycle so far. Um, this could be because everyone runs three of them or if it's too overpowered for any particular reason. You guys have any thoughts? Start with Dave. Work, work our way down. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. Um. Hawk Tattoo probably for me is going to be the one that gets the most annoying, but I haven't had much experience against it yet, but I imagine it's coming. Yep. Merlin? Um, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know either. I probably should have read these questions before uh, before we started recording, but I reckon, I reckon um, that new holding that Crab have that gives them, like, that, that pings you for an honor if you don't attack it, I think the amount of time... Oh, no, 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 no. I know what it is. I know what it is. Mirror. Fucking mirror's gaze. <laughs> as soon as that thing hits the table, my fucking decision-making process, my, like, my brain overheats. It's fucked up. I think it's good for, like, stall crane. Stall like, just, crane. Yeah, just come out of the gate really hard so you've got good tiebreakers at the end of turn one and just play triple mirror. Sweet. Yeah, when you you want your opponent to take like three, four minutes to make every single decision. <laughs> the last one I'll add to is um, Maze of Illusion. And I think the main reason is not because the card's too overpowered, um, but it's the fact that many fun, close games of L5R will be poisoned by that effect flipping one way or the other. And that's why I don't like that card. It creates asterisks over games. Yeah. All right, so okay. next question. Are you talking about asterisks where they play a card that's tournament legal? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> next game. Uh, can I, wait, my, my card is actually, uh, and I haven't actually versed it yet, but it annoyed me seeing it played in the table next to me, was uh, Hidden Moon Dojo. That's just, Ooh, it, good one. I had my, my blood boiling when Ben, ben saw it turn one for two games in a row. 
I think Jay insta scooped as soon as he saw yeah. that. He actually, yeah. he actually, I got Hidden Moon Dojo on my like second left province, and then on my r- most right province, I got a Imperial Imperial Palace. Palace, and I got two liars, and he just went, nah. He always flipped the table. He's just like, nah, scoop. Do you know, I, I think that's perfectly reasonable to scoop there generally, but we were like having a test night and it was the brand new pack and you hadn't got to use it yet so and your face you were like lighting up with glee that you're gonna get to test this broken card and then he goes yeah fuck that let's re- go again <laughs> um, i did ask if i could just keep the same dynasty and he could re-roll he's like no. <laughs> <laughs> he just took my toy away it's not fun all right so we got a question from will bowen uh this B is say? a law question so i have no idea really but what are the meanings or purpose of the Seeker and Keeper roles in Rokugan? Hmm. And he says, um, thanks, great podcast. So shout out to you, Will. <laughs> so, so first off, I guess my question is, what, what are the Kami? So Seeker, is it Seeker of Kami, Keeper of Kami? Is that the sort of thing we're talking about? The Kami Kami's, are like gods or demigods, right? Like spirits. And like, yeah. they're, Kami's are spirits, but like in particular, when people talk about, like there's the seven, or sorry, nine original Kami who are like, Isawa and Bayushi and like the, all of the, the original clans, the founders like, of the clans, right? But I think I think Akami's like just a spirit, right? Like in general. So 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 the seekers are the ones trying to understand them, and the keepers are the ones trying to like maintain like the religion or whatever. I don't know. I'm just taking this is like a white boy taking a stab at. Like Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> is there law? Is there law text? Here we on go. The yeah, look at this. Kami was spirits which sometimes interact with people, often Shigenja. They were known to possess great elemental power. Kami also possessed common traits such as emotions, were able to think freely for themselves. Shigenja, who were able to sufficiently please Kami, were usually blessed with their loyalty. Uh, yeah. Mm. So I think in the latest Phoenix, uh, well, the latest law, there's a pond Kami. There's like uh, the Hoseki Pond, whatever it is, and who uh, helps uh, Kato Kiori deal with like a djinn, like a fiery genie kami that comes alive. That sounds awesome, man. I haven't read that, but I'm, it's actually I'm pretty like... good. Um, and yeah. it also, it turns out the um, Ayuchi, the the unicorn, they're described as having hooked nose, which I thought was a interesting <laughs> um, is an interesting descriptor <laughs> that uh, FFD decided to use. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. All right. Um, so next question. Say, uh, wait, I would say though that the law has. I have really enjoyed reading those inserts. Um, just like with Netrunner, um, it's always really cool to read something that's actually quite well written in each. Pack. I agree. I actually really liked the that last Phoenix fiction I was talking about. I actually really really enjoyed it. It was a great great story, and it kind of showed you like um, a little bit about how the spirits uh, and the elements are, are uh, unrest and, and it gave you like a good interaction to Mayo Suki and it also showed you a little bit about Kato Kasuri who's like you know a cool character in the game right alright so the next question actually uh, can I can I just add a quick thing uh, there's a podcast out there called Last Province which is a podcast for L5R which is all about lore oh like really the background and the history and stuff yeah so check it out Last we'll need to check it out too, because right. clearly, clearly we need to learn more about. Let's oh yeah, look. <laughs> let's leave it to them to tell the law. So, last personally, province. I just prefer to appropriate the culture rather than actually learn about it. So. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> All, right. All right. Next question is from Rob uh, Kershaw. What's up, Rob? He asks, "What are the rollers' individual plans for worlds?" Well, my plan is to go. <laughs> are you gonna play Phoenix? Of course, I'm going to play Phoenix. Okay. <laughs> I am going to go as well, and I think Lion? I am almost certainly not going to play Lion, <clears throat> but I might play Phoenix. I'm just going to. Yeah. I think Ben and I are going to cook up whatever the dirtiest deck is in the format and just play that. So that's my plan. Yeah, dude. Brad reckons Phoenix. Brad reckons Phoenix. So you know, Phoenix is, <laughs> is getting there. I'll just I'll play the dirtiest, but hopefully the dirtiest is Scorpion because my. My heart belongs to Scorpion. If, if the clan play, if the clan pack is legal, right? Then I feel like Scorpion's gonna have a pretty dirty deck. Can I just say shout out to uh, to Claire, um, Ben's partner, for letting him step away from his honeymoon 
to come and play cards for five fucking days in freezing Minnesota. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I'll be clear, it is a delayed honeymoon. Like we had a mini, <laughs> we did have a mini honeymoon after we got married, and this is like a year later right. and stuff. But yes, she is super cool. She's the best wife. All so right. I I got a I got a question for Rob. What are your plans for Worlds, man? <laughs> What's going on? Let's go. Yeah, let's put my it back to Rob. <laughs> my my plan come. is to my plan is to watch in the middle of my exam period is to have study on one screen and the live stream of <laughs> Bert and Ben and Ben with his uh, double restricted card deck. Oh, man. <laughs> man, I'm hoping to get DQ stream and having everyone flip out. I'm actually time. hoping that I can just sail through with a deck that's got like, you know, two or three restricted cards in it. And then nobody knows. <laughs> and then it waits till stream. And then like I get caught on stream and act all innocent. I tell you, I know I know it won't be you that does it, Ben, but my, my feeling would be that you put two hidden moon dojos in your deck just because you forget that the first one's in there. <laughs> and then and then there's a turn where you just flip both. Your opponent just looks and goes, what's going on? <laughs> Infamous right. video, like that one. Sounds like a hoot. Um, it's a shame. Uh, if I didn't have exams, I would definitely go. Come I'd like to... Yeah. Want, to rep, want to rep Australia. Oh, in yeah. the, I can't fucking in wait. Boys like a lot of the w world community is going. Like, people from all over the world are getting hyped yeah. in the Discord. I was just going to say that I'm actually what I'm probably more excited about than the tournament. I mean, the tournament's going to be great. Don't get me wrong. But like all these folk that I've been, you know, having games with and that have been thrashing me on, you know, global discord league, um, is I'm really excited to actually meet a bunch of them, you know, and, and you see these names up in the tournaments things and, you know, to, to talk to, talk to all these folk that, um, you know, we've heard on the podcast and, you know, being talking to on discord and stuff. This should be I, cool. Have a couple. I think of we should push to get people to wear their Discord usernames as name tags. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah, actually, that's a really yeah, cool there was, idea. There was one guy, one guy at the Australian Kote that did that, which was really. Yes, it was, that was, it was awesome. Hoss. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, it was good. Like that wasn't. Shout was out it, to that guy. Was it Jade Throne or was it you guys that were talking about? Um, I think it was like Artifact Gaming or something. But like Artifact Gaming came like. Third. Architect Gaming. Architect Gaming came third. And I was like, is that the guy's name or is that his Discord name? <laughs> we think it actually is. <laughs> I think he changed his name by Depot. All right. So next question uh, from Soshi Kurai. This is Edwin. What's up, man? Um, with powerful new movement effects like Hawkpoon and Unicorn's new tools, it seems like it's only a matter of time to get some anti-movement tech. Mm. Uh, and then he asks, what elemental role will it be locked to? Wait, wait, <laughs> Obviously. Wait, wait, wait. Ask Merlin. Merlin, Merlin, tell us about the anti-movement tech that uh, we've been discussing for like three weeks. Dude, man, Grasp of Earth. Grasp of Earth is going to be the new shit. I swear. It's super slow, right? But, you know, you get exactly one one action and then that's it. No more characters, no more movements. Make it count. It might be good. That know, could probably, maybe probably have an effect against Unicorn, right? Because, like, Unicorn are going to be um, a lot of... I guess there's a lot of Unicorn popularity coming up with does, like, does, not does grasp of earth prevent cavalry reserves and charge no it only prevents characters from being played or, or uh, moving right moving to the conflict so it doesn't prevent moving from the conflict the developer yeah. ruling says grasp of earth does not prevent characters from being put into play in a conflict the cannot move to this conflict part of the effect only applies to abundant characters that are in play when the effect resolves Ooh. They're in play well, when the effects resolves. It like, prevents the characters from being put into play, so you can't. You I obviously yeah, can't, yeah. right? Well, it prevents characters from being played, yeah, from their hand. Right. Yeah, but but if you don't have access to that card or still think that card is shit, I guess favorable grounds is your next best option, right? It still amazes me that there's decks that don't run three of that card. I don't know. I, I feel like. I feel like people obviously can play play around these effects better than I can because seeing favorables always seems to help in a situation. I think it's a must. It's a must auto include now. There's too many nasty things that that yeah. trap your characters, especially Hawk Tattoo. Like, oh, it's horrible. Like, I, I, I hear what um, Edwin seems to be saying. That um, yeah, I definitely feel in testing that Hawk Tattoo can just if you if your board is a certain state, you can just get blown out. 
if you don't run any sort of cards to mitigate uh, that effect, because they can just go in with a chud and then bow out your whole board, um, and then you, you they kind of get a free break. All right, so I got a few more questions, but do we want to skip to a good one, maybe, and or do we got time? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, we got we got enough time to go through the remaining right. questions. I'm looking. Awesome. At so the next one's from Micah Elliott. He says he loves last episode. Um, uh, what do you find is the most difficult decision point during a game? Is it ring selection, conflict choice, or dynasty buys, or something else? Even odds answers not allowed. Even even <laughs> odds answers not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> Top to bottom, Dave. It's it's probably like the fate management aspect of it for me. It's like how much fate you put on characters and who you buy and that kind of stuff. Like I find that ring selection is often pretty self-explanatory. Like you need a character off the board, so you pick void something that has like a military or political dash so you've got the water conflict to bow them before they can actually use their character it's relatively straightforward so yeah for me it's got to be like that dynasty phase and like managing yeah fate management is definitely what separates the greats from the goods in this game yeah i couldn't agree more but if i were to add another point in the game i think it's during conflicts when you're doing the kung fu um what what effect are you going to play and in what order and what are they going to play in return and those kinds of those kinds of things so knowing like sequencing well, yeah I, I sequ- sequencing and resource um, management yeah and knowing like and knowing when to quit like how many cards like it's all your resources right and cards and honor and all those kind of things it's like when do you commit that and when don't you I will add as an addendum to this point, um, marginal expenditure of certain powerful effects. Like some games I've fate worse than death, a one drop with no fate on it to prevent keepers coming out or for other reasons because a conflict is super important. And those decision points always trap me up where I'm thinking, man, do I expend this huge powerful effect now? And it's sometimes it's difficult to determine when it's, when it's worth it. So there are a lot of decision points in this game and the better you can get at developing heuristics for yourself to make it more automatic, um, the better you'll be at L5R. Well, I'll just, I'll just add that um, playing uh, Hisumori Torade, the new um, Lion Box, it's been honor management for that particular deck, which I found to be quite... Because I'm playing the you know, STDs and the Banzais and all that sort of stuff and, and I'm actually uh, running the, the Oni the little marauding only guy for cost Matsu Ted. that yeah Matsu Ted um yeah on on a management and like learning that the airing's not a shit ring like it's a ring that's worth going for at times in a conquest deck so that's mm, been... that's a great point yeah great point all right next question I was I was also gonna say on that point um yeah uh, lately I've found choosing what bit I do to be quite difficult because I I mind game myself and like we just played a game just before where I bid one a few turns, where I was pretty confident that my opponent would bid five, but I couldn't risk bidding five because it would just take my honor down too low. And in the end, just losing the card advantage actually hurt me. Um, and the other point uh, the other point I was going to make, and it's a bit facetious, was uh, the difficult decision I have is always picking which province to hit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's so hard. It's like... Where do I? Where's the resto? And you just kind of use your radar, and then you hit the resto anyways. All right, we got time for another couple questions. Did you want to just? What's the next yep. one there? So this one's from Eli. What's up, Eli Bateman? Uh, he says Melbourne guy. Yep. Uh, he says, um, "Have any of you guys found that uh, have been testing Oracle <laughs> of Stone?" And he says that he thinks it could break the game. And have you tested it much? I think Melon has. Mel's? Yeah. I've definitely, I've definitely tested it. Uh, I don't think it breaks the game, but um, it's been tested in two ways. One that I've tried and one that I've seen. So the first way is in a Dishonor-style deck, does it dig for you the resources that you need, the critical resources that you need to drop your opponent by that last point of honor? And it does definitely do that, but it's still risky, right? Because you let your opponent dr- dig into cancels or whatever it is that they need. And the second way that I've heard about, which... I think is a bit jank was in a Phoenix mill deck where you're trying to 
mill your opponent out of cards. So it's got like Spies at Court, and you go for Earth Rings and stuff like that. You can play it um, to just get them to put more cards into the discard pile. But I don't, right. don't think it breaks the game. I think no. to <clears throat> I think the best two uses are Merlin, as you said, to dark like. If I ever put an event in the bin, it's only helping your Tadaka. And the uh, I think I lost a few times to you <clears throat> uh, trying to dig for the backhanded for the last honor. Yep. And then you find I think, it. I think that's its best use, is to dig for a critical resource. Cool. All, All right, right so this is the last question. All right, last uh, one. This is from Anil, mine's desire. He says... <laughs> um, he wants a question for everyone on the cast. Uh, what card speaks to you the most? Which card do you enjoy playing the most? Or which one do you feel the connection with? It might not be your favorite, but which one personifies you the most? Hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for that one first. Uh, Jurgen's Curse, actually, because there is a card in I think it was Emperor Edition, which was Jurgen's Blessing, which was a kind of a critical component in a Phoenix deck, which was called Lizard Wizards. Um, it was part of part of a combo where you could recycle recycle events and get really super broken with your spells. So having a Jurgen's curse in the de- in the game is kind of nice. Kind of sucks that it's roll locked, but you know, maybe we'll get secret void. Maybe. I was not expecting that answer. That's cool. Mm. All right, I'll go. I think for me, it's got to be just like yeah, that yeah. mad scientist. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pretty down for that. Which card was it, um, Dave? Juniori, like the the new crab guy, five coster. What what speaks to you about it? <laughs> so interesting. Like I, I don't know. I like corrupted crab. I'm you know. Doesn't he have a wild mustache like you? That's awesome. Uh, uh, Simkov, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, for me, like most Scorpion effects, and I feel like the flavor is Scorpion, there's all about subtle manipulation. And then you kind of, you know, at some point you realize you've you've lost the game on your own accord. They've just helped you there. So the card that speaks to me the most is what happens when subtle manipulation doesn't work. The bees! I love a fate worse than death. I think the artwork is fantastic. <laughs> the idea that like someone has crossed Scorpion so hard that Scorpion's gone to plan C and they've they've pulled out the bees, locked you in some like cell somewhere, and you're just rocking back and forth in the fetal position. Love it. it makes me feel is so good a, about life. Do you reckon there's an alt art with Nicolas Cage on, on, on the art? <laughs> for sure, for sure. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Glenn, right. what's your card, man? Uh, I was just thinking about like all the great card effects I like. And then I was like, the subtle one that always comes back to me lately is actually Giver of Gifts. Uh, just being able to move Spyglasses and lately Invocation of Ash just between like i've i've had games where i've had all three giver of gifts and just been able to move uh hmm. six worth of stats around has been a lot of fun uh and i guess that just speaks to more unicorn as a whole where it feels like there is a puzzle and i can now finally solve the puzzle because there's enough pieces because before it was like someone handed you a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle and they gave you like 10 pieces and they said you're going to display this on a, in an art gallery alongside um like masterpieces and you're like cool here's my 10 pieces uh look at what i can do with 10 pieces so it's nice cool uh my hey. one is uh <laughs> i was gonna say animating magistrate as a troll but like whatever <laughs> my, my my card <laughs> is actually Trust me. My, <laughs> my card is noble sacrifice i fucking uh, the first game i ever played with a bell fiber in the new game i, I got one off and it just felt like I was playing to do what we must from the old game. And I, just <laughs> fell, in, I fell in love with that card, man. It's just thematically amazing, mechanically a great design because it's quite hard to to get off in a in a position where it actually does a lot of damage. Um, but it's, it's it's spiritually just a great card for me. I love the, I love the idea of of killing killing yourself to get a to, yeah. to get a kill. Yeah, Super great, cool. great art, also. Like imagine that that as a full art would be amazing. We are blessed with great art in this game. You know what else you're blessed with? What's that? Fucking Mark of Shame, dude. Fucking two feet. <laughs> no <Nobody's laughs> <out of> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. 
on, on that note there, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, any hey, last we, words? Haven't we got one more question? I don't know, do we? What's the question? Hyconics. Hyconics oh, right. Asks, we got one more. Last one. one. Given, given we're reaching the end of the cycle, what are some cards you would like to see for your clans in the next cycle? Well, I would personally like to see for Scorpion. This is the card that I want. I want a card that's a conflict action, cost it whatever seems fair, but it says target a character that's got a poison attachment, destroy it or discard that character. So the idea you got to do a setup, kind of like Nobsack, set him up, put some poison on him, they're gone. I like it. Just kill everything. That's what you want to do. Yeah. You want to send them down a well, poison. feed them bees, and then kill them. What do you want, Mills? Ideally. Um, I really want a card that lets me play Know the World, like, effectively. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you want oh, you're hard on for that card, man. Every single one of your decks. Yeah. Go on that 5 card. and CB. You just see yeah. Skylock decks. It's just Know the World. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Glenn. I need it. Uh, what card do I want? Yeah. Um... I think so recently the Thrones game came out with a card that was like a huge benefit but you couldn't win the game unless you spent like six resources to like blank the text box um oh, so cool. I'd like I'd like a crab character I'd like a crab character that doesn't bow on defense but the cost is quite large so sort of like a reverse beat stick and mm-hmm. like it's, it's like a it's not mounted doesn't fall but just something similar to that sort of like borderlands defender like the person that's like in charge of them it's like the border i don't know borderlands commander that borderlands boss <laughs> yeah sick Buddy. i would like to see a crane card that's an attachment that's a reverse watch commander so each time an opponent <laughs> plays a card you gain an honor but it's only outside of conflicts so your opponent can only play cards in conflicts Ooh. unless otherwise they give you the spender, uh, give like you an it. honor. I like it. It's busted, man. Then you can run that new three-cost court here. And then that'd just be, that'd be incredible. Did Dave, did you come up with a card? Uh, I, I just want some more playable Berserkers. Crab, <laughs> so that can use Wicked Tetsubo. Dude, <laughs> tainted, tainted hero, man. I want berserkers, like political berserkers, you know? I want them to be (laughs) in debates, just like yelling at people real loud so that they can hit them with a Tetsubo. They wouldn't speak English. They'd just be... That's what Crab needs. (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks everyone for listening again. Um, This episode drops a little bit earlier than normal, but next week it'll be at the regular bat time, regular bat channel. Uh, Any last words from our rollers before we go? I guess Melon said it best. Just mark of shame. Just, yeah. I think that was that was that was the learning lesson for this podcast. I think <laughs> cool. All right. Here we go, guys. Until next time.